0: Welcome to the careers, employability and skills podcast from Queen's University, Belfast. This episode was recorded during an information session with the Reanne Immigrant Centre and features guest speakers Jude Clark and Michael Downey. This session was hosted by our global opportunities development officer, Rory McGrillen.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Reanne Centre J1V's information session. We are kindly joined today by Mr. Jude Clark from the Centre. And we also have Michael Downey, who is a current Queen student. Michael spent 12 months in the US uh, last year and spent those 12 months across a number of different locations. So I'll let him go into detail on that. So at this stage, I want to now pass you over to Jude. And start by saying thanks very much, Jude, for uh, offering this session today.
2: Thanks, Rory. Um, Thanks, everybody, for coming along and uh, joining in this uh, information session today. I'm going to be joined uh, with uh, by Michael, Michael Downey, as Rory's just mentioned, a uh, current uh, Queen's University student. Um, so here, I'll just introduce our centre, which is uh, Ryan Immigrant Centre in Boston. Uh, we were formed 31 years ago by Irish immigrants to help Irish immigrants. And we have now expanded our, our work um, to cover lots of different areas, legal, work, wellness, Citizenship and of course our learn exchange programs, through which we run this J one visa. Uh, I am actually our Irish office. I live just up the road in Glenavy, uh, County Antrim here. I'm a QUB uh, grad myself. Um, just a little bit about me. Uh, you just I'm just all about sports. I play virtually every sport you can think of. <laughs> I'll try I'll try anything. Um, that's, that's a little bit about myself. And today, really, I'm here to uh, tell you everything you need to know about the J-1 graduate visa. Um, that's what's commonly known as, but it also works for undergrads uh, such as Michael uh, with, a, with a third year placement. So in terms of thanks, I'd like to thank Rory, uh, always a great help uh, to our centre. Uh, I'm in and out of Queens quite, quite regularly, two or three times a year doing these types of presentations. So thanks to Rory and the team there at Queen's University for always being accommodating and helping us out. Uh, And also thanks to Michael, who has kindly uh, volunteered to help out here today. Michael's just spent the last year uh, from August to September on placement in the United States. and He had pretty good experience by all accounts, and he's gonna chip in here today uh, with little bits and pieces to help you uh, understand, you know, what the visa program's all about. Uh, Michael was based in New York City in a placement at Artec Holdings. Okay, so we'll start off with uh, there's Michael uh, standing at the uh, U.S. Open tennis uh, final last year, um, and you can access Michael's blog there on the on the Queen's uh, Careers website. There, it's. Uh, QB to New York City my placement here, diary. It's it's, a, it's an interesting and fun read. So I would advise you to, to give it a, a glance And there are two visas uh, So the first visa is J1 Irish work and travel visa, which is really the graduate visa Anyone coming out of university having graduated uh, Then there's the J J1 intern visa, which is for uh, non-Irish passport holders uh, who can uh, any any nationality really can apply for the J1 intern visa, so I mean, most commonly a non-Irish passport, the Queen's would be a UK passport, so if you have a UK passport you can't apply for the visa. Uh, the difference between the two visas is that on the J1 Irish work and travel, with the Irish passport you can travel without work lined up, uh, whereas on the J1 intern visa you must have work lined up. Um, if you're considering going to do a Placement, a third year placement, for example, you would obviously need to have your uh, placement set up and approved by Queen's University uh, ahead of travel. So there are a couple of differences there. Uh, I'm conscious that we will have some students here uh, who are seeking placement and also some final year students who would be uh, interested in travelling next summer once they graduate. There are some visa restrictions. Uh, I'll get these out of the way, uh, nice and early. Uh, anything that involves unskilled or casual labor, for example, working in a bar, working in a restaurant, um, anything clinical or medical as well. So uh, issuing medication, providing care, uh, nursing, for example, anything like that, um, It's kind of listed there in that slide. Um, it's excluded from the visa program. Whenever the visa was set up with the US government, they sort of set these conditions on it. Um, but all other areas uh, are fine, apart from any of these ones that I've listed in this slide. And the one other uh, slightly uh, negative thing I would like to get out of the road at this point is the coronavirus, the COVID pandemic, which of course is impacting on everything and everybody in the world at the moment. Um, and our visa program is no different. It is currently suspended to the 31st of December. Um, is due to open up on the 1st of January, which is great. Uh, hopefully, if that goes ahead. Um, but if it doesn't, there's a, there's, the reality is there's a possibility the suspension could be extended out to maybe March or something like that. Who knows? But current final year students um, or students interested in doing a placement next year, uh, or recent graduates, you should all be able to apply for this visa in 2021. Um, the, the reality is there's a little bit of an unknown there, we can't be 100% sure, but anybody who's registered an in interest with us, um, I will have your email address. If you haven't already did that, I advise you to do that, it means any any updates from the U.S. State Department, we just ping an email out to you and then you're get your, your updated you know, within a day or two of the notice coming from the U.S. State Department. So why would you want to do the graduate visa? Um, Maybe we'll let Michael start off here and uh, give his input here as to why he did it and what he got out of it. And, you know, maybe that might sort of give you a good insight uh, as to what a fellow student um, thinks about it. So, Michael, why did you do the visa and really what did you get out of it?
0: Well, first of all, I wanted, like, uh, international experience. And it's a perfect opportunity, you know, to gain experience related to work and travel um, but for me I don't I love traveling um, I love meeting new people you know I was in a workforce which were mostly American so you know you learn about uh, American business culture and American just general culture um, and obviously New York City is su- such a cool city there's so much stuff to do um, but yeah, for me, honestly, it's like one of the best experiences I've had in my life so far, um, both personally and professionally, and I would recommend it to any student. Um, it's such a good learning curve. You learn so much. Um, you learn how to manage your finances. Um, you learn how to, you know, network with people. Networking's huge out in the U.S. Um, there's so many events you can go to. Um, but yeah, all around, it's just a great experience.
2: Brilliant, thank you, Michael. Um, he's covered, Michael's covered pretty much everything I have on my on my slide here. Uh, the one, uh, the second bottom bullet point there is very important in that this opportunity will pass, um, you know, especially for graduates. Uh, you know, as a graduate, you want opportunity to do this visa and once your, uh, your eligibility window is up to one year past the date on your uh, graduation scroll. So once that, eligibility window passes it's you know your opportunity to get to America to work is very very uh, limited from that point on so it's a great opportunity for uh, students and graduates um, and if you're really interested in doing it I'd I, I advise you to explore it. Um, I just put in here Shauna as a quote from a UCC graduate uh, she was based in Boston and I met her when I was over there in February and I just liked what she said about why she applied for the visa and it was just to do something different something exciting and something outside of her comfort zone uh, and shauna like michael just returned there in september october uh, this year and, and had a fantastic experience as well so travel as much as you can you'll see a couple of pictures of michael here through these slides and uh, michael I hope you don't mind uh, this is megan maybe you want to explain here where you're at and what you were doing
0: well, in this photo, you've stretched that out. It looked fat in that picture. <laughs> um, no, this picture was in Chicago. So that was, this was actually after uh, my work finished. So once your work finishes, uh, you're granted 30 days um, in the in the U.S. Um, so with, within that 30 days, I went to a few places. But this is Chicago. It's a um, cool city. Um, I also spent some time down in Florida uh, in Miami. Um but yeah traveling traveling was amazing, so it was um you meet so many interesting people when you're traveling and you also learn about you know different states. every state is very different, although Chicago is quite similar to New York, but you know the likes of Miami and texas um it's just different cultures, different people like different way of life um and it's so cool to see that diversity you know in such a huge country. <clears throat>
2: Thanks, Michael. So really, uh, you know, you're going to be there for a year, 14 months in total, including these two 30-day periods that Michael's talking about at the beginning and the end of your visa. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of opportunity. There's up to about 60 weekends in there um, to travel. And I did exactly what Michael did. I was there for five years and um, weekends, long weekends, like American holidays. Just take yourself off and you jump on a plane and head to another different city. And it's... And a wonderful opportunity, besides gaining the work experience, to see as much of America as you possibly can. And I know from looking at Michael's blog, that well, that's exactly what he did. Uh, it's another thing I would highly recommend. So what is our role? Uh, Ryan Immigrant Centre in Boston. Uh, we've been running the visa programme now for 12, 13 years. And we've taken over 3,000 Irish students and graduates from all over Ireland, north and south. So we're, we're very well experienced in how to run a good visa program at this stage. Um, you know, we'll help you with all your questions and answer uh, questions and process your visa application, of course. Um, we are a visa sponsor, so you need a visa sponsor to get to the States on this visa and that's what we, you know, we fill that role. We also issue all your important United States Department of State uh, records, and paperwork, we manage that database, the U.S. State Department database. Um, we will help you find work. We can't guarantee we will find you work, but we will help as much as we can. Again, dipping into our database of employers uh, that have helped us over the years. Um, we'll support and mentor you all the way throughout your uh, visa program. Any problems you might have, um, you know, we're there to help you. And you know we will also include you in any professional development sessions that we have, either in Boston in our office or some that we actually do online. If you're in other areas of the uh, of the country, so Michael, I just want to ask you here: Was there any particular? I'm, I'm not sure uh, about this. What your answer is going to be, but was there any particular moment where you uh, really felt like you know the support or the help that we gave you made a, a, a big difference, or or not, or whatever?
0: Well, i am just like to say, support was great, you know, the whole way through. Um, as you said, like from the initial, you know, visa process right through till when you're out in the US and especially when the pandemic hit, you know, the support was amazing. Um, by yourselves, you know, you had live uh, events on Facebook and, you know, constantly reaching out via email just to ensure that, you know, all the interns were, you know, happy, whether they wanted to stay, whether they wanted to go home. but. Well, the support was amazing um and then throughout the year too you know i got frequent emails from the ryan center you know with events happening in new york city um so i i went to actually quite a lot of those and that's where you meet you know other interns on the same they're on the same program um and everyone just wants to help each other out um but yeah the support was really really good by the ryan center and i'd also like to add to that at the beginning, um, the database of you know previous employers was like so important because I had tried hard to find a placement in the US, and it's very difficult because a lot of them offer just like three months um, internships in the summer. But finding like a twelve month placement um, was quite difficult. But um, the Ryan Immigrant Center had you know contacts or like businesses which had taken students on for twelve months before, so. You know then you the visa process then you like all the other process that was involved bringing someone over and like that that was really invaluable to be honest Um, that's what helped me so much that that database of contacts
2: thanks Michael okay so this is an example of one of those events that we would uh, regularly host um, this is pre pandemic so it was in our office uh, and you know there's probably 20 or 30 uh, students there, a couple from Queen's University, actually sitting in the front row there, I thought. Um, so, that you know, we what we would do in this one, this example here, is we bring in local business leaders and ask them to share their expect, expertise with RGA1s. So, and if you, no matter where you go in the United States, you'll benefit from this because we will host these events and like Michael said, there we'll put them on Facebook or whatever so you can check in uh, from San Francisco, Chicago or wherever you're at. Um, you know, and as Michael said, things like this, you know, coming from the, the American side just gives you a, a great insight into what's important in America and in the business world and trying to make your way in employment. And it's it's sort of, it, um, you know, the networking thing that Michael mentioned there is, is critical. Uh, the visa cost is something that obviously everybody's interested in. Our visa fee is 1150 US dollars. There's a SEVIS fee, which is a US government database that you must register for. Um, it's $220, and then the US embassy or the consulate in Stromelis Consulate fee is 160. Uh, you pay insurance and you pay flights uh if you do your research you uh, will find that there are other visa sponsors out there but you'll also find that we are at the lowest okay so here's another uh photograph uh just of an activity that we do in boston i i registered uh, must be 10 years ago now um for these free tickets from uh one of the local universities at boston university and they send us tickets to various basketball games, ice hockey games and so on. So if you're fortunate enough to choose to go to Boston, uh, this is the type of thing that we would regularly invite you to. Michael mentioned some things that we would uh, send down to the guys down in New York or whatever city you're in, but usually it's more, more of an actual free ticket or something like that if you're going to uh, be in Boston. But there's actually uh, there's two Queen's students in this, Picture here as well. Um, one in particular who came along to two or three of my events that I hosted in Queen's University there in the Student Guidance Centre. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's just another example of what you can be getting up to in the States. So, to help with the job search there, Michael mentioned that uh, we'll try our best, we'll do what we can to help you. We can't always, you know, we can't ultimately find you a job, that's up to you to pass your interview and impress the employer and so on. But what we do is, whenever you're uh, registering with us, we look for three key things. Which city you're going to, uh, when is your visa due to start, and what is your area of study? Once we have those three important pieces of information, we'll go through that database that Michael mentioned, and we'll just see like San Francisco, um engineering you know that will narrow it right down and then we'll contact employers to see if there's any opportunities maybe for the first of september or whatever date you're starting your visa program um depends on the relationship we have with the employer there it might be really really good where we reach out to them ourselves um if it's sort of an employer that's just hired someone in the past we may just give you their details and you can follow up with them yourself but as michael stated that uh, the way we handle that uh, the job search help is pretty critical in in terms of um, your visa overall visa experience because it can make or break uh, your experience in terms of if you get a paid job in your area of study or not. Um, anyone who's going to the United States without uh, work lined up, we recommend you go to Boston. And the reason for that is simple. It's because we're there. Our office is based in downtown Boston. Uh, we recommend you call into our office. You get to know the staff. Uh, you build up a bit of a, a relationship in that sense. And you know, we open doors for you. We introduce you to employers and so on uh, in Boston. And it's far far easier for us to do that. It worked for Michael in New York, but it was uh, your your communications. Michael would mostly have been maybe on the phone
0: with Paul or whatever, but still worked out for you great in that sense? No, it still worked well, yeah. Um, I I met with Paul, he was director of intern placements. Um, and just, as you said, found out some information about me, what a study, what I wanted to do for placement and, and the location. And then he sent through contacts, um, And then I just ended up cold emailing, you know, these people um, with like a resume and reaching out to LinkedIn, you know, I wouldn't say I I got back from the first one, like I reached out to quite a lot of people, but you just have to be persistent um, and, you know, be responsive with emails. You really need to be on the ball. Um, But yeah, um, no, the support was great with those contacts were critical for me, you know, getting the placement.
2: Thanks, Michael. Okay, and as Michael just mentioned there, it's, um, you know, you really have to be on the ball is how Michael termed it. And the the question on this slide is, can I be proactive in the job search before you travel? Well, obviously, if you're you're going as a student placement, you're gonna have your placement preset. But if you're going, uh, if you're finally a student now and you're looking to travel next summer, or you've graduated in 2020, well, now you really need to start your job search now. So uh, work hard at this, as Michael mentioned. You sort of you've got to put the effort into it. Um, my uh, advice is always pretty simple in that I always say, like, open up a spreadsheet, about a hundred lines in it, or whatever, and just take a weekend or a rainy day, like today, um, if you've no classes or whatever, and just Google, like, if you're if you're an engineering graduate or final year and you're going to Chicago, just stick in Chicago engineering firms and you'd be surprised how many uh, organizations will throw up. And what you do then is you go into each one and you see is this the type of engineering or marketing or finance uh, area of work that you want to work in. And then you just explore their website a little bit more, get a bit of information, the employer name, contact details, specific area of work. And you just gather these, this information up 100, up to 200 lines in the spreadsheet. Sounds like a lot, but as Michael said there, are a lot of employers won't bother to get back to you. you know. So you really have to throw more darts at it to get one to hit, if you know what I mean. Um, so if you work on it, that for every 100, maybe 15 make it back to you, or 20 maybe, and uh, maybe only five or six will end up with a positive interview or a meeting with an employer. So the more you go at it, the better. We recommend that four weeks before you travel, you reach out to employers. We don't recommend reaching out to an employer now, for example, because the whole COVID thing, etc. you really need for that to settle down first. The visa program to reopen in January, travel to reopen, and then if you're traveling like next July or August, then you should really be reaching out to the employer, you know, just four or five weeks before you travel. And when you reach out to them, you're sending that resume that Megalix uh, mentioned, and you're simply, possibly even as simple as trying to arrange a coffee meeting. You know, you figure out the location, the address of the employer. You look for a cafe that's just around the corner. And you say, I would love to meet you for uh, to discuss uh, opportunities or how I can help your business. You know, you've got to promote yourself in that sense. But for now, it's all about research. Networking events, Michael mentioned there. Uh, before you travel to the States, we would be uh, encouraging you to register for as many of these as possible. So for example, if you're going to New York in July, well, in June, you should be going onto the internet and researching uh, networking events in your area of study. I mean, these things in America are, they're every five minutes uh, networking events. Whenever I went from Belfast to uh, Boston, it was a bit of a culture shock for me. The whole networking scene—it seems to be—it's just commonplace in America, whereas to us back home, it's sort of something we're not one hundred percent up to speed on yet. Uh, but what it, this this event here was actually New York, New Belfast, twenty eighteen. Um, my colleague, second from the left in the bottom photograph, there, Paul uh Queen's graduate himself, actually. Um, uh, this was an event that he hosted down in New York and he took 11 graduates to it who were all unemployed. And from this one event, eight of them got placements directly with employers at this event. So, And that's just one networking event and it just shows you the importance of registering for these things and attending them. Uh, Michael, maybe you wanna jump in here just to explain Uh, a couple of the networking events you might have attended in New York.
0: Yeah, so one that I went to, you know, quite regular was um, the Irish consulate in New York um, do a thing called First Fridays, so it's the first Friday of every month. And at those events, it's basically a load of people from from back home um, that have moved out to New York and they're working, they're all professional jobs. And they usually bring in a guest speaker. So someone that has moved to New York, say 20 years ago and became really successful. And they do a talk on, you know, whether it's the company they work for, you know, what they're researching, whatever. But it's really inspirational. Um, you know, to hear from people that have went out over there like 20 years ago and became really successful. And then also while you're there, you meet a load of, um, interns on the same program as me or people that have been there or, You know they've maybe been there two or three years, Um, and that that for me I see someone pop in the chat. How do you meet people? That's a great way to meet people. Um, I ended up getting you know some contacts. Went out for dinner. Went out for drinks with people that I met at that networking event. You know, you have to kind of step out of your comfort zone. You you the first day I walked in, you know everyone's stand there and you. I was by myself. You don't know anyone, but you just have to go start introducing yourself and you know, you don't know who you're chatting to, but you really have to step out outside of your comfort zone. It might be a bit uncomfortable at the beginning, but you know, once you get used to it, you start seeing, you know, similar faces, you know, on the next Friday of the month. But, uh, you know, I, I love going to that event. I loved it, to be honest, um, it was great.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is, that, you know, there's it's a double a double benefits there in networking, in that you're building your network in terms of, um, You know, employers and so on. But you're also building social circles as as you as you go through this process. You know, it just falls into place that you build friendships and so on, just randomly meeting people at these events. So a few other networking tips there, Mike was mentioned a couple of them. Obviously, effort, stepping out of your comfort zone and and getting stuck into it. Um, Simply researching things like effective uh, networking on the internet will tell you pretty much everything you need to know. But registering with places like uh, Michael mentioned there, the Irish consulate, I was actually on their first Friday event two Fridays ago now in Boston uh, online like this. Um, I suggest you register for that before you go over and if it is online, you could be on the one before you actually travel and you can submit questions ahead of the event and you could put it out there that I'm coming over to New York and I'll be seeking a job in marketing or architecture or whatever it is. You just make your own luck. Um, There's also a couple of other important uh, networking groups there. One is the Irish Network in the United States. Every city uh, has one of these. Uh, Boston, I would attend that regularly. Uh, The Irish Business Association as well has uh, branches all over the United States. You register for these, you go to their event, like Irish Network Boston would normally host their event in a pub or something like that. there's maybe like 200 people at it. And as Michael mentioned, they're all like Irish American, you know, maybe business owners that went over 20 or 30 years ago. And these are the guys that are willing to sort of give you a chance and and, uh, open doors for you. Uh, Queens University, do they have an alumni branch in the city that you're going to in San Francisco, Chicago, Miami, wherever? Check that out if they do. Again, there's guys there that maybe Queens grads, who, I'm thinking of one one guy in particular right now, he, he's a lawyer uh, down in Texas. and um, He's Queens grad, a good friend of mine from back home. And uh, I know that he, for example, he's always willing to help out people. He's always trying to help out people who are going over, especially if they're from Queens, he, he's in San Antonio. Um, but that, you know, people like that, uh, tap into them through your alumni, QB alumni. Um, Social media, the ways, the best ways to use social media, the expand your network, have a look at that link. LinkedIn, Michael mentioned that as well. If you're planning on going to the United States, which I mean, you're on this presentation, you're thinking of it, you really need to have a LinkedIn profile and you need to have it set up uh, before you would go because employers look at this type of thing. Um, Digital Irish uh, is another group that's actually set up by Irish people to help j1's going over that's a group you want to check into if you're going over um facebook and twitter my advice there is to keep it professional um you know to, if it's open for people to look at you, you really want to be careful what you're putting on there um and the other thing there is the resume i've, met, I've mentioned it We'll show you now in a minute um a good sample of what is expected there this is just another uh, picture of a few guys out, um, it's Queen's University and Ulster University students, actually. Um, They used to go hiking a lot, basically. And um, every other weekend, they'd they'd go somewhere different and check out different places. And again, like we mentioned this earlier, this is part of the visa programs. Get out and see as much of America as you can. So what does that US uh, resume look like? Well, basically, it's one page. you would all probably have CVs at this stage, and CVs maybe two or three pages long. Um, so the it's contact details with the LinkedIn profile, as I mentioned, the professional summary, uh, just university education, um, couple of pieces of work experience. So basically, as I said, there's contact details at the top, professional summary. That professional summary will let the employer know straight up that you're a J-1 visa holder and you're authorized to work in the US. You know that as soon as they start talking to you, they'll, they'll be thinking, "Is this guy or is this lady who got a visa or whatever?" Um, the employment history. I always like to just mention this. Uh, some people have outstanding pieces of work experience, uh, maybe in the summary. Or you're, if you're finance, you're working maybe down in the City, down Titanic there. Uh, but you're you could also be you know just have a local part-time job in your local shop or whatever. Um, but the the skills that you gained in those like part-time jobs in the local shop—it's just how you word them in your resume to make them more attractive to employers. And it's all in the first word there—the business buzzwords, you know, like managed, uh, optimized sales, organized things, you know, which you do in any job. And it's just using those uh, business buzzwords to uh, make your resume more attractive. Um, So, Meg, I'll just bring you in again here, Um, so you would have had a CV, um, I presume, whenever you applied for your visa, and so how did you find this, the conversion to the uh, US-style resume, and how did it work for you then when you were reaching out to employers?
0: Yeah, so originally I had a two-page CV. Um, Just did tons of research online on how to structure a resume, and a lot of the stuff you've alluded to there. Um, but yeah, I just designed up a resume and I actually used Queen's Careers Service to help me with that which was quite useful if anyone is going to be working on a resume. So research yourself and use uh, Queen's Careers to help you with that. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what I sent out to employers. Um, because mine was more like a software role, you know, a lot of the questions I got back was um, can you show us any code that you've written before? So if you're applying for some type of software engineering um, placement make sure you have a github account and you know you have personal projects like different repositories um, online because a lot of employer employers ask for that one employer actually the company I got hired by asked for quite a lot of stuff and it was all code related you know stuff that I did at university I had to send them my projects and you know the lead developer looked through those and I was then passed on to the lead developer there's questions there so you know just really be prepared and LinkedIn is really important um, for the company that I got hired with I went straight on the LinkedIn and found like the CTO of the company and you know sent him a request the same day I sent you know the resume um, I'm not sure if that was the right thing to do but he could just see a visual on who I was Um, rather than just the blank page so yeah you just have to be proactive Um, that's that's my advice.
2: Thanks Michael okay uh, just two examples of networking I know we've we've mentioned networking quite a bit here but it's it's so important in the visa program as as Michael um, has has said. Uh, Shauna again the UCC graduate who's just finished her visa program like Michael um, she went over to Boston with a genetics uh, degree. And she found her job by uh, registering for an organization called Women Accelerators, which empowers women in business and science. She just basically researched a networking group in her industry, registered for them, went along, met a few people, got talking to them. And before she knew she was, hired, um, she was hired, she got her job straight through that, uh, of, uh, you know, just getting out there and meeting people uh, in that networking group, which is great. Um, she had a fantastic year in, in Boston. And Elizabeth there was a Trinity College Dublin graduate. I'd just like to throw this in too that she uh, had a degree in literature. And her way of connecting with people was she basically registered at her local library and made a point of getting in regularly every week to get connected with staff. She ended up getting a job in that library. Um, for her her year, um, so there are just two simple examples of you know how you make your own luck. Um, if you're really interested in applying for the visa, when should you apply for it? Well, 2020 graduates, you really apply as soon as we reopen. So if we reopen in January, February, March, whatever it is, you should apply uh, as soon as you get the email from us to say that we're we'll reopened. Um, current final year students. You will have one year from your graduation uh, school date, so you're actually going to have until, like, probably the summer of 2022 to start the visa. Um, the visa pro- process takes about six to eight weeks. Um, sometimes there can be delays, but we recommend you apply four or five months ahead of your planned travel date. Um, just two points there. At this at the bottom. Uh, Anybody with a master's uh, qualification should really be applying for the visa as soon as possible after completing your study. Um, And that is based on work experience levels. Uh, So for example, if you have a master's degree and then you go and get a job uh, at that level, um, and you quit that job to go on the visa, sometimes it can be a bit of an issue when you're at the embassy or the consulate. Uh, So we recommend with master's, apply as soon as possible after finishing your study. And the other important point there with your passport, um, your passport must run for at least six months beyond the expected end date of your visa. So if you're planning and starting your visa, say, next September, September 2021, then it will end in September 2022. So it needs to run until at least February, March 2023. So if you're thinking of applying for the visa, have a quick look at your passport. And if it doesn't run until then, then well, you need to get a, a new one, updated at this stage. So um, there's just uh, the contact details for you to register your interest in the visa if you haven't already did so. I know quite a few of you have um, registered your interest. Um, There's the link to our wait list on our website and that's our email address. If If you have any questions you can ping an email in there. Our telephone numbers and whenever we open up them we will send an email out to everybody on the wait list. Uh, and just finally there are photographs just a bunch of J1s in Boston uh, um, at a baseball game out having fun uh, one evening and I keep mentioning have fun you know it's important it's a one-year, a one-year visa program you do want to gain as much uh, international work experience as you can but you also want to make most of the opportunity in terms of meeting people and traveling and exploring country so that's my uh, all the information I really need to give to you at this point uh, in terms of general information um, if anybody is any specific questions then um, I'm free to take questions now
1: and Michael as well so Jude uh, thanks very much to yourself and Michael for all that information uh, There's a few questions from a good mix of questions from students so the first one was from Antonia and it was in regards to registration and you've obviously covered that there but just to add to that, following today's session, I will be sending everyone who registered a copy of the, this recording, but also that link in the email. And we're hoping to send that out It'll either be later this afternoon or on Monday, just to get the get all the information pulled together. Um, Antonio has asked, "Can you do it during the summer before you graduate, if you're a postgraduate student?"
2: Um, so you can do a summer J-1 visa, which is a short-term visa. Um, we don't sponsor that one. and There's other companies out there that do sponsor the short-term visa. Um, but if, if you priced it up, our visa is probably a pretty similar price to the short-term summer one anyway. So, yeah, you can. You can do You can do this visa for anything up to a year. So, I mean, if your study finished in May and you were going back to university in September, you could do the visa from, like, 1st of June to the end of August for two months or whatever. Certainly. It's anything up to a year. But the thing is, the important thing is that your work must be in your area of study. And that shorter J one visa, you can work in anything, you can work in bars and so on, but not on the uh, this visa.
1: Okay. So the next question is from Katter. So it is is it easier to get the J one IWT if you have a job lined up? and would you recommend beginning it and seeing the sites while looking for a job?
2: Uh, Well, if you're eligible for the visa, the J1IWT, which is commonly known as the the graduate visa, if you're eligible for it um, and we put you through our application process, whenever you go to the embassy to get your visa uh, or the consulate, you know, the chances are you're gonna get the visa uh, whether you have the job lined up or not. Um, you know, obviously it's going to look great that you have a job and it's always better that you have a job lined up for you personally, but it's not a deal breaker if you go to the embassy or consulate to get your visa and you actually don't have a job set up. You know, th- this visa has been set up to accommodate people uh, like yourselves, graduates going over to the States without work lined up. Um, it's a sort of just, we're the, you know, the Irish passport holder is basically the only uh, country in the world that has that benefit. Uh, believe it or not, every other country is J one intern, and you have to have a placement set up. Um, but it's tricky finding a placement before you get over there. Um, I've helped many Queen's students uh, try it, and you know, with the help of if you if you're a student, you know, connect with your uh, your university advisors there in your course uh, in terms of your placements. Um, but if you're if you're going over as a graduate, then we will help you as much as we can as Mike this discussed.
1: Very good, Very thank good. you. So, Lucy has asked the questions in this for yourself, Michael. Uh, how many days holiday did you get uh, with your work? And uh, just touching back on how did you go about making friends in the city? So, see the second part. Can I can I ask you about sort of friendships in terms of work as well?
0: Um. So, my company got most of the public holidays. Um, not all okay. of them, but most of them. I think we probably got off around five or six. And then uh, at Christmas time, we got—I think it was between a week, a week and ten days—which is quite a lot for US standards. You know, it depends on the company you're working in. Maybe if you're in a corporate job or something, you might only get a couple of days off for Christmas. It just completely depends on the company. Mine was like a startup company, and uh, one of the CTOs is actually from Roscom from Ireland. Um, so they just have you know a longer holiday period of Christmas, but. Um, yeah, that's that's it for for holidays. Um, and how did you make friends? Well, obviously, as Rory said, there in the workplace, um, you make tons of friends in the workplace, even though it was a small company, there's 35 employees. But uh, the team I was on, the development team, there's about seven uh, seven people. Um, but yeah, I became friendly with nearly everyone in the office because it's such a, cl- a small company. Um, it was cool. We also, you know. Had uh, drinks after work and stuff you know you can uh, network with people you know in your workplace um, mm-hmm. you can make friends that way and then also going to these networking events um, especially the, the Irish consulate it was great it was really good and one thing I want to say about the Irish consulate too on the first Friday of each month there will always be a bunch of um, J1 IWTs there that don't have work yet and they also they always do a shout out saying, um, for example, here's Michael Downey, he has just came here, he's looking for a job in software engineering, and you'll put your hand up or you can go to the front of the stage, and that's a great way to get jobs, um, because there's people there that work in these industries. And, you know, if someone pops their hand up saying, I own a software company, you just go over and speak to them. Um, so, so they really help you. Um, really help you try and get a job you know if you don't already have one um, but yeah the networking events and the Queens Illumina events I found really useful um, I only went to two but uh, you know you met people that graduated from Queens people that are right there as I said before two or three years or maybe 20 years and that's basically how you make friends you just have to go up and speak to people <laughs>
1: The worst case scenario, Michael. You always get a bit of nice food as well at them. So.
0: Oh, I know. <laughs> <was always> good.
1: <laughs> uh, thanks very much. So, there's a question in from Cloda. Uh, does the program run from different months of the year, or will it only begin in the summer? Unfortunately, my eligibility window closes this year as I graduated earlier this year, but didn't get to avail the opportunity because of obviously coronavirus.
2: Yeah, so uh, Cloda probably, I'm presuming yeah, you graduated last summer, 2020. Uh, yeah, so the closes, it depends when the eligibility window closes. You've got up until that point. So if you graduated in July 2020, you've got until July 2021 to start the visa program. Um, it's similar if you graduated in October, it'll be around October. Um, so you should have time there, you know, at the, at the start of the year. Um, sometimes the U.S. State Department may make an announcement in terms of an extension, and I wouldn't rule this out, that um, if the, you know, if the suspension runs on into 2021, I wouldn't be surprised to see notification coming from the State Department to say that uh, anyone whose deadline passes maybe early in 2021, that may be extended. So. I don't know, but if we do get information like that, then I would, of course, send an email out to everybody that's on our wait list that would be impacted by that. But, Flora, I think for now you're you're eligible and um, you should still hopefully get the travel on the visa.
1: Thanks very much, Stuart. So the next two questions are very important. And I'm gonna sort of ask you, Michael, to contribute to them. So the first one was, what were your rent costs in New York? How much would you need spending per week? And then Renia has also added that, how much do you need in your first month before receiving your first salary?
0: Well, for rent costs, it, it really depends you know, on your budget. Um, for mine, my fixed expenses per month was $1,000. Um, but yeah, there's a whole lot of different factors there. It depends if you live with people, um, you could spend 4000 a month if, if you wanted. But New York there's a huge variety um, so rent costs well fixed costs well that included Wi-Fi and you know heating a few other things but fixed costs were around a thousand um, and that was fine that's about 40 that was about 40% of you know my income which which wasn't too bad Um and what was the other question how much do you need per week
1: your say, your first month to set up sort of before you get your first salary
0: your first month again that depends so some of the rentals uh, you may have to pay a broker's fee and a broker's fee so like in my scenario I had to pay first month rent broker's fee and deposit so sometimes you can get uh, an apartment where you just have to pay the deposit and the first month so if you can try and get a place without a broker's fee um, but uh, you probably need bring as much as you can, but um, I would say I think I spent about three thousand three thousand five hundred um, at the beginning, but that was with you know a broker's fee um, so if you didn't have the brokers fee, that's going to take another thousand off um, but yeah, most of the apartments are unfurnished, so that adds. Um, that adds to the price, um, but yeah, there's there's so many Facebook groups and stuff where you can find even secondhand, you know, furniture. You know, you can be shrewd if you want, um, but yeah, I would say two or three thousand um, would get you buying your first month. But that that depends on your brokerage fee. But yeah, I would recommend just bring as much as you can. Um, so start
1: saving and do your research as yeah, well.
0: Start saving. now, yeah, yeah.
1: Very good. And Jude, obviously, uh, new Boston would be slightly cheaper, I expect.
2: Uh, my, my answer to this is always like your, your rent is, is going to be more than what you'd be paying at home, right, that's, that's a given. <laughs> but there's so many other factors to consider uh, when it comes to the overall expenses. Michael mentioned there his, his um, outlay on that was $1,000 a month, is, is, is his expenses. I presume that was covering, uh, you know, all your bills, yeah. um, you know, the, the thing like transport, for example, in America is it's, it's borderline free. It's that cheap. Um, you know, and you factor that in that you're going to be living in the city and your, your monthly ticket for the, in Boston, $60 in, in New York I believe it's around a hundred, but it's still like, you know, cheap. Uh, that's all your transport, all your buses, all your trains. Um, So, I mean, no matter what city you go to, you can expect it to pay in higher rent than what you're paying in Belfast, put it that way. Um, But again, I was talking to Michael the other day and we agreed on this. Generally speaking, entry level positions for graduates are, you're earning more money. And Michael, you mentioned there, your uh, budget uh, or your expenses were a thousand, and that was, what do you say, 40% of your-
0: Yeah, 40%. I was making about 2,400 a month.
2: Yeah, so 2,400 in your hand, were you pulling that in?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: It's a 2,400 in Michael's hand, which is probably three and a half thousand before taxes, or over 3,000 before taxes. That's what, you, you know, that's a sort of, a normal sort of wage. You, you can be expecting that, you know, well, yes, you're going to pay on higher rent, but your chances are you're going to be earning more money um, than what you would expect to earn in a similar role in Belfast.
0: And that's our experience. It is manageable, like, um, if you just create a budget, you know, get a wee Excel sheet up and work out your expenses uh, and your income, and it is manageable, like, I was able to travel too, you know, some weeks you may not spend as much, um, but you can save that up for the last weekend in a month if you want to go skiing or something, you know what I mean? It is manageable, I wouldn't be getting scared, I know, like, initially when I was thinking about it, I was thinking so much about the cost of rent and stuff, but um if you get a placement which is i don't know fifteen i think Jude, you said fifteen dollars or more per hour you know it's you're more than capable um of managing your expenses and you'll you'll be fine like
1: very good look guys, thanks very much for that first hand information I, I know it's always a was a bit of an anxious question from students uh Frank has asked a question about deadlines but i think we'll cover that and you'll as i say we'll, we'll send out the the link for students registered an interest. Um, Antonia has asked, "Is there any financial aid for fees?" Well, I'll, I'll cover from a university perspective. So, in previous years, the career service has had a, an international travel scholarship. And um, obviously, budgets have been impacted this year, so we're not sure if that'll be running this year. Um, but if it is, we'll be announced in semester two. Uh, within the university, there has also been other uh, international travel scholarships and awards through academic affairs. And If you go into the awards and scholarship section on the Queen's website, you'll be able to see some of the opening closing dates. So some of those are contributions from alumni who have sort of given towards scholarships towards international travel and international programs. So um, on top of that, there are some schools and faculties may have their own scholarships. So Stephanie, if if it comes to the, you know, an offer or if you've secured a place with a company, for example, and you're going forward with a program, you know, reach out to your schools and your faculties and uh, keeping contacts just basically you know inquire about potential funding is there anything else uh, Jude you would add that in terms of sort of covering the fees apart from just start saving now?
2: Start saving now I mean I I, I hate to take the the positive from the negative uh, with the coronavirus thing at the moment but I mean this is if you're ever going to have an opportunity to save money, it's this year for the current final year students, because there's not much going on, uh, <laughs> you know, realistically. So uh, besides buying a few Christmas presents, whatever money you have, if you have an income at the moment, you save it between now and next May. And, uh, you know, I support what Michael said there. It's just save as much as you can. The more you can take, the better. It just makes that first month, six weeks, eight weeks, um, stress-free if you have your two or $3,000 uh, with you. You know, if you're going over with 1,000, you know, and you, and you maybe don't find work for the first four or five weeks, you'd find yourself in a pressure situation six weeks in. Um, so yeah, I would start saving right now uh, if you can.
1: Yeah, and the only thing I'd add to that is, Jude, you've obviously mentioned yeah. you are the cheapest J1 visa sponsor out there. You are a non-for-profit organization. and um, that's not the reason we promote you. The the level of support, the close links to the university are the main reasons we support you. But the cost that you offer the beats that can't be beaten. So,
2: yeah, I mean we basically just charge fees that uh, cover our uh, our business, our our wages, etc. Um, just there's one organisation in Dublin there, and they're charging nearly double what we charge, and I just don't understand how they can, how they can do it. Uh, but anyway, that happens, and I see one question in there: the average salary uh, from for uh, an intern grad in New York City. Um, Michael mentioned there are $15. Any any rules that we look for, it's a minimum $15. That's our starting point with any uh, employer. Um, so if they're talking $10 an hour, we're like, nah, it's not gonna work. We just drop it and move on to the, the next employer. So $15 an hour and up, uh, but I would say the average is really around $20, $22 an hour, um, which is about Fifty thousand um, dollars. That that would be the average. The highest salaries we've we've had registered are one hundred and twenty thousand dollars by a couple of uh, first year graduates. Uh, but I mean, that, that's not the norm. The norm is around twenty dollars an hour.
1: So, sounds amazing. Uh, let me see. Uh, do you have a number? Do you have a limit in number of visas that the centre offer?
2: Uh, we have up to five hundred visas. So, I mean, this year in twenty twenty, we only used one hundred and fifty because you know coronavirus hit. Um, the year that Michael started, you know, his visa started in twenty nineteen. We would have used maybe four hundred and fifty. So, anybody that's registered now on our wait list, I think there's about two hundred and fifty on our wait list at the moment. Anybody that's on there will be, uh, you know, will be in the in the pool for a visa.
1: Very good. Owen has asked, uh, do you help placement students to find work?
2: Oh, this is a long-running question. This one, Rory, as you know, um, you know, I, we we help. There, there's two different visas, OK, as I mentioned earlier. There's one visa, which is the J-1 Irish Work and Travel Graduate Visa. And graduates arrive in the States without work lined up. So we help those guys whenever they get to the States they've already signed up for the visa, paid their fees, and they're they're in the States. For placement students, it's a little bit more tricky because we have helped quite a few. The girl that was in the, the basketball photograph, for example, we helped um, a couple of others, we, you know, quite a few students. Um, Magno Lachlan, if you recall, uh, Rory, mm-hmm. we helped. But, the problem with helping undergrad, uh, you know, for third-year placements or whatever, is that we we have to invest time and resources into helping you, and then you may never actually ever apply for the visa. Which is, from our point of view, it's actually bad business; it's a waste of resources. Um, and I hate to talk about things like that, you know, because it's it's sensitive. But uh, like, we don't want to be looking for a placement for you for. 30 hours of staff time, for example, and then you decide to do a placement in Belfast and not actually travel on the visa. That's a waste of resources from our point of view. Um, the university obviously gives quite a bit of support there in helping you, um, your placement officers and so on. That's got to be your starting point. Your own research is your next point. Um, and, you know, we have done and probably will continue to help random scenarios, but, we don't openly promote that we help students find placements.
1: Yeah, so it's more sort of advice and sort of guidance rather than uh, finding placements for those. And on yeah. that point, you know, if students are on the, the session site uh, and they have compulsory placement, just keep your placement office informed and have a, a discussion, a meeting with them just to look at your options and what potential placements, because obviously with a compulsory placement, you need to do it to sort of progress on to the the next stage, of your course. Uh, let me see. Is this eligible for postgraduate students?
2: Postgrads, yes, uh, absolutely. Masters, etc. Yep. Um, you're eligible as soon as you graduate, you're eligible then for one year.
1: Okay, so a few more questions. Uh, the next one's for yourself, Michael. How did you arrange your living? Did you set up before you left, and did you have a 12 month contract or had two sublet?
0: Yeah, so for this one, I use the company. You can download it on your phone. It's called StreetEasy. Um, it's an app for basically finding apartments. And it's great. You can just filter by borough, by location, by price. Um, so just figure out your budget first, and then you can filter by you know, your budget. Um, but yeah, if you look it up, it's called StreetEasy, StreetEasy.com. And it's great if you find somewhere you like, um, you can just submit a request to the realtor, and then uh, you can just keep that ongoing uh, communication. He was able to do like a video call and you know share the screen. Um, also sent through videos of the apartment um, just to give you you know a visual. Um, and yeah, everything was done before I got there. Um, signed the contract. It was a twelve month contract. Um, but yeah. And, it was a 12 month contract yeah that's it pretty
1: good but again, just come back to doing your research and looking at costs um just be very very careful in terms of sort of not being scammed or sort of yeah. something like out there so um just takes a bit of time and a bit of research
2: yeah rory if i can just add to that um a lot of the times, students or graduates are heading over in groups of twos or threes or fours or whatever, um, which is great because, as Michael mentioned earlier, cut down costs, but it's also a, a comfort as well, you're sharing rooms and so on. But for example, I'll just give you an example of the help that we can do there. If, say, for example, you're going to Boston. <laughs> we've always got about 30 or 40 J1s in Boston. Um, so if you're going to Boston and you're traveling on your own, for example, we would send an email out to those J1s that are already in Boston and say, look, Joe Bloggs is coming over from you know, from Ireland, to Queen's University or whatever. Um, does anybody have a room or does anybody know if someone has a room or something like that there? You know, so we can do a little bit of help, a little bit of outreach there. And sometimes that works and pays off and you, you'd be arriving in the city and you have somewhere to go to straight away and you've got an immediate a social circle and group of friends, so um, so we can help a little bit with that too, you know.
1: On, on that, Jude, if a student asks, could you possibly connect them with someone who's currently in the country, in Boston? That's it, that's,
2: that's it, 100%. If, if the student wants us to connect them with people, that's what we do. We ping an email out to everybody that's in that city that they're going to, basically saying this is a Queen's University graduate coming over and this might go to 50. If it's New York, it could be going to 100 people or 150 people. Um, yeah, and what you do is you always get one or two people coming back saying, yeah, I would like to meet up with them or whatever, and there you are. It's, you take it yeah, from there, yeah. you know.
1: And, uh, I would encourage everyone if you're um, heading out, plan the heading out, you know, avail of that sort of offer, because just speaking with people like Michael who have done the experience or have that first-hand information mm-hmm. is very, very important.
0: Sorry, I just want to add something. There's also a LinkedIn group that the RAND Center have. Um, So I remember being added to that group and then you just pop in, you know, Michael Downey, Queen's coming over on this date. And that's another great way to meet other interns that are already in this group. I'm not sure if that group's still running, Jude. But
2: Yeah, it is, Michael, thanks for reminding me. It was good. Yeah, so basically, if you're coming on our visa program, we have you register for LinkedIn. You know, we we make you if you haven't already got a profile. We tell you get the profile set up and join our LinkedIn group. And of course, that's a way of connecting with people as well. Um, whenever just prior to going over is this time, you know, uh, I'll be arriving in New York and um, you know make connections there.
1: Okay, two two questions to finish off and this could be an important one, Uh, would you recommend as a graduate in June 2021 to work at home for say 10 months then try for the J1 so you have more experience or would it be best to go as soon as possible?
2: Uh, Well if you're a masters or post-grad graduate I, I will recommend that you travel immediately. I mentioned that in through the slides, that is because too much work experience can work against you if you're a master's uh, graduate okay because this visa is an intern visa it was originally set up to help students and people coming out of university gain work experience so you know for example if you're like if you did your undergrad and then you maybe worked for two years and then went and did a master's and then you added that year on that you've just mentioned you've two, possibly two or three years work experience coming out with the master's you know and that can, that can actually harm your application for visa. So if you're a master's, I would say, uh, apply as soon as you come out of university. But if you're coming out with an undergrad degree, um, yeah, get that little bit of work experience. It will always look great on the resume there. You know, anything that you can add to your resume before you go out to the States is obviously gonna help you find work. Um, if you don't have any work experience at all, I would definitely recommend that approach. Um, but if you have, you know, work during your summer holidays and so on, um, uh, you know, it can be a big choice to take a job in Belfast or to head away in this now. It's entirely up to you, but it's okay either way.
1: Thanks very much. And then the final one, you probably get this quite often, that, uh, Jude. Can you expand the amount of time on your visa if you want to stay longer?
2: The visa is for a maximum of one year. Uh, it's obviously, you know, 365 days or 366 in the leap year, it's one year exactly. Um, you get 30 days grace period at the start, and that really helps you get settled, um, you know, sort out your accommodation, maybe have a wee week holiday if you want, and then 30 day grace period at the end, which is, as Michael used it, was to go and see a bit of the country. Um, what happens there is if you, if you get to the states and you find a great job and the employer likes you and you like the employer and so on, Um, there are options there that people do explore, which is transferring to other visas. You could be sponsored by your employer, uh, for example, uh, on a three-year visa, which is called the H-1B. That's just one example, but the answer to the question, yes, you can stay, but not on this visa. Um, The visa is limited to one year max.
1: Very good, thank you very much. Well, that's all the questions. Is there anything
0: further, Jude or Michael, that you'd like to add before we wrap up the session? I just want to say, if, if anyone here wants to reach out to me, you know, feel free. I'd be happy to ask or I'd be happy to, you know, answer your questions, any questions at all, because that's what really helped me. Um, I remember when I plan, I spoke to a girl at Queen's who had went to Boston the year before, and that was really the turning point for me, you know. It helped me so much. Um, but yeah reach out to me i'm going to pop in my email into the chat here and yeah just ask me any questions if you have i'd be happy to help you out
1: very very kind michael thank you very much and judes from your perspective is there anything else you'd like to add
0: yeah
2: you know i'd just like to uh, say that michael's input here has been fantastic because uh the conversation that michael's referring to was actually an event i had in the, the help of rory of course in the Student Guidance Centre that Michael came along to. And I mentioned the, the lady earlier on, Megan, who had did the visa. And Michael gained so much from uh, Megan's experience. Megan had did the visa and then came in to help me to talk to the students. And, um, you know, so that experience is there for you now to use and tap into, and I recommend you do um, tap into Michael. But from our point of view, uh, running the visa programme, Um, I'm a Queen's graduate myself, so I'll always bend over backwards to help in any way I can with any Queen's graduate coming onto the visa program, Uh, be that helping you find work or anything else uh, whenever you're in the States. Uh, We are, as Rob mentioned, an Irish immigration centre, a non-profit centre, so our heart's in the right place in terms of wanting to help uh, help you build upon what you're learning at university. so, and everybody will have my email there. If any questions for me about the visa program, uh, just hit me with an email, I'll get back to you within a day. If you haven't already registered your interest, go ahead and do so in that link. Um, my phone number there is, is, that's my mobile number that's on that slide as well. So anyone wants to chat, just give me a ring. And I'll discuss the visa program with you. And I would just like to finish up by saying thanks to Michael, thanks to Rory and thanks to all New students and graduates for uh, coming on and
1: listening in here today. Jude, thank you very much. The <laughs> really session has been excellent, really, really interesting and insightful. And just reiterate, Michael, uh, thank you very much. Um, nice to draw the session to a close, as I said, I'll send out a recording and a link to the expression of interest page. Um, but do, you guys, take Michael and Jude up on their kind offers and reach out if you've any questions. So, uh, finally, Jude, Michael, thank you very much, and we'll keep in contact. Thank you. See you. Right. Right.
2: Right. Right. you Bye. Bye.
1: everybody. You've been listening to a podcast from the careers, employability and skills team at Queens. Music by Ben Sound. To access career support at Queens, please visit our website go.qub.ac.uk forward slash careers or follow at QUB careers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.